Hey everybody, how's it going? How you doing? How are you feeling? It's another episode of the Sustainable Culture Podcast, and this is your host, your tour guide, your high-fiving pal, Jet. <laughs> Believe it or not, we are past the halfway point of the season. We've officially reached the latter half of the winter season. Amazing. Our last episode was with our old friend, Brian Seguin, who returned to the podcast to finish our discussion called, What Does Community Mean to You? Brian asked that I share my perspective of growing up as a military brat and how my definition of home is vastly different than most, and that led us into some great topics. It was fun getting into ownership versus relationship with nature. A lot of good stuff in that episode. Another guest I know some of you remember is the wonderful, the talented, the wise Bree Krodinger, a.k.a. PB Doodles, or simply Peebs. I like that one. You remember Bree from a bunch of different discussions now, and she's back again because I wanted to take a few critiques of environmentalism and see if we could approach them objectively, really take time on them. I just kind of reached out and I said, hey, do you want to help me pick on environmentalism a little bit? Not like a lot, just poke a stick at it a little, you know, provoke it. And she was super in, so I sent over some notes to collaborate on, and as it would turn out, we both had a lot to say. Imagine that. So why not, I figure, make a podcast episode about it. I do just want to give a light trigger warning here. Towards the latter part, pretty much the last half of the episode, we will be very objectively referencing the Bible and giving Christianity, Western Christianity at large, a bit of a ribbing, you could say. We're going to critique a few things, nothing hateful. You guys are grown-ups. <laughs> if listening to that kind of stuff is too overwhelming and makes you want to explode, well, make your calls. Maybe I'm biased, but I certainly enjoyed it, and I really think you will too. So welcome, folks, to episode 22. Let's pick on environmentalism. Welcome to the podcast once again, Brie. I am so happy to be back. I am, you have no idea. It's I've, been a hot minute. I don't even remember minute. how long it's been. Do you? Um, I, well, it was like, I think, was it May when everything opened up from COVID? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. And then we'll randomly run into each other in like the grocery store. Yeah. Hey, how's the whole life? How's your whole yeah. life? <laughs> like cram it in to like ten minutes so you don't get in trouble with your bosses. Yeah. Um, like I got okay. I'm gonna go work now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's been a hot minute, and I was so excited when you're like, "Hey, come back on the podcast." I was just like, "Oh hell yes!" And so when you sent me the prompts for this, I'm like, "Essay time. We're just gonna write it out." Yeah. I've done nothing but talk about it for the past day and a half. My poor husband, because I was like rehearsing. He's like, this is too much info this early. And I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, today's going to be really fun because, oh, environmentalism. Yes, it's okay. like my favorite topic. So, 
I, I want to just kind of start with a little disclaimer for the listeners here. Some folks, I'll just openly say right out the gate, might not, this conversation might not be for everybody. No, it's going to get pokey. It's going to get a little pokey. And the thing is, is we wanted to talk about environmentalism. When I had this idea, I thought of literally one person I wanted to discuss this with, which was you, because the, the whole idea here is we need to be able to be as objective as possible. Yes. <laughs> is, is what I'm trying to do, especially with this season, we're kind of approaching things in a deeper, more honest sense than we have in the past. And so we're looking at really often glazed over, glossed over, if you will, uh, glazed over, glossed over, <laughs> what? I'm a Michael, I'm going to give you some Michael Scott. It is, <laughs> I know that I am. All I thought of was like, what is Christmas? So like glazed donuts and cookies. Yeah. That works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> anyway, I like to think I'm fancy with these words. I'm really not. <laughs> hey, so, we're both working through our coffee. I'm like, what, quarter of the way? Are you oh, done? I'm still a, a little, I'm about halfway. I got plenty to go. Okay, so it's forgivable. The caffeine meter's at it's yeah. not up yet. If anyway. you hear me progressively talk faster through the episode, <laughs> that's what's going on. Same. So um, we talk about environmentalism anyway. I mm -hmm. forgot exactly where I was. But with environmentalism, we speak about these things oftentimes like here's our challenges with getting, you know, convincing people with are on our side. Yeah. Here's our challenges with, yeah. uh, with uh, other people this yeah. is what I often hear with environmentalism and yeah. I, I don't know if that's fair to say no I think it's extremely fair to say I feel like especially in our country everything is like basically divided like football teams like my team is yeah. better and no one's going to convince anyone by saying no. my team is better that yeah I actually use the football team analogy quite a bit well, um, it works so well for yeah. our culture it really it does. does so it does and I wanted to spend some time and look at Sure, there's a you know things that we could talk about with environmentalism that it's it's done well for us mm -hmm. and that you know situations that we've found ourselves in that are more optimistic, hopeful positions that we have the environmentalism movements and different you know things underneath that umbrella mm -hmm. to thank Jan. <laughs> Frankly, I, yes. I think we could talk about that and I I I think there's plenty of other podcasts that do a really good job at that. Mm -hmm. And I don't hear a lot of folks taking the time to really look at the critiques of environmentalism and take the time to pick them apart yeah. and to spend some time with them Yes. And, and just spend some time with that. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. Well, I literally am here for it. You literally are here for it, but you're here for it. <laughs> I am, yes. So, it's like one of my favorite things to talk about. Oh man, you guys should see our notes. I sent <laughs> these notes to Brie and like I got, she goes, okay, I don't even think it was an hour. You were like, yeah, yeah, I worked some up. And then, uh, you know, they're on the document. So I looked them up and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I forgot how much we talk about this stuff. So. I know, I had a knuckle cracking moment where I'm like, okay, keyboard, <laughs> let's go for it. And I was yeah. in like, I don't know, I was in one of those moods yesterday where I was, I, I had just finished journaling when you had sent me that text. Yeah. So I'm like, brain is clear, brain is focused. And then I had these prompts, which are like some of my favorite things to talk about. And I'm like, all right. Go for it. Yeah. And uh, here's my essay. I felt like I was at Charter again. <laughs> this was fun. It was almost like having a class with you again. Like, like, because yeah. it was very, uh, we approached it. This was the only episode so far this season, and probably the only episode this season, I think, of all of them that I've, I felt that I needed to really do some research for a little bit of yeah. prep, a little bit of informational intake before I was able to, to give any output. 
Well, it's um, such a broad topic. I mean, we're going into the nature of man, which has been the topic yeah. of conversation since man figured out he could think. Yeah, well, that was kind of what you said before you came over. You're like, you know, it's kind of funny. We're talking about environmentalism, but it really kind of feels like we're just talking about being people. And yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it really it's is. kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's so, why it's pokey. <laughs> <laughs> so we will get to all of the things. To start with, I want to kind of, let's just start with the critiques off just we're, we're pretty much only focusing on the critiques mm-hmm. for the most part and so and we'll see where this goes maybe we'll lead to future conversations but for now um we've got some some well we have a path ahead at least to yes. kind of keep us focused because you know how both of us are <laughs> yes so it yeah. could be a five hour like wandering path of oh yeah thoughts if, it, if we didn't have these notes so yeah we have them. <laughs> yeah remember the two hour episode um Wasn't so that recorded over three hours or something it was something like crazy yeah we had like crazy. it was just it was amazing yeah but we would lose our <laughs> listeners within like yeah. what are they talking about again i'm so confused <laughs> so now one <laughs> argument I want to start with Ayn Rand. Yes, Ayn Rand. Why not start with Ayn Rand? Let's just go ahead first. Let's go right on ahead. Yes. Now, if folks aren't familiar with Ayn Rand, um, just know that there's a lot to be familiar with. Mm -hmm. Quite a bit of reading material there. Quite a a bit of material in general. Um, Who's John Galt? We don't know. (laughs) So she, she, there's a lot to say here, but I'll just kind of let her own quote speak for herself. One argument that I'm kind of using as far as a critique for environmentalism that we want to pick apart here. Um, it kind of acknowledges the problem and defends capitalism as a sort of connection to human resourcefulness and technological advancement. So she writes, city smog and filthy rivers are not good for men, though they are not the kind of danger that the ecological panic mongers proclaim them to be. This is a scientific technological problem, not a political one, and it can be solved only by technology. Even if smog were a risk to human life, we must remember that life in nature without technology is wholesale death. Now, there's a lot right here. Yeah. But I, there's a lot to pick apart. So the problem I have here essentially boils down to the assumption of this delicate relationship that has to exist between human and nature for this to occur. So a, a relationship that we don't have yeah. <laughs> as society. We really don't have it. So... I agree with the need for technology, 100%. I can nerd out on this stuff, but I don't think we have that relationship with the land that we need in addition to the technology. What are your thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) So sayeth the notes. Um, So I I agree with Rand. It is a technology problem, but I really, this is where I struggle with Rand. um, And this is, again, where it's going to get pokey, is she... I feel like she fails to realize the corporate patent ownership and like the who benefits type of idea when it comes to technology. So if a company cannot make a profit or as big of a profit off of the technology that would benefit everyone, it's never going to come to fruition. That's the problem. You see this with a lot of green tech where these companies come in and they buy up these patents and then they disappear. Like there was one documentary on like the electric car, I think, where it's like everyone, like these big companies own these patents that would be exceptionally beneficial to humanity. Right. We know this. Like if, if, yeah. if it were more of a public ownership type Exactly. Situation. But they, they get disappeared because one, the major companies haven't figured out a way to make a big enough profit off of it yet, mm. or it would undercut them or something like that. You know, so with that, when they're buying up these things, the, the environment's never considered. 
like the, the consideration is never for the environment, which goes back to your point of like, we don't have this relationship with the environment when we're making technological decisions. Because if we were, yeah. we would have these technologies available to us, but we don't because in our society, it's, you know, interest to the shareholder. And then the other note that I wanted to say is, you know, Rand does a really good job laying out like the capitalist society, if you will. But I always feel like she stops short of talking about um, that man's deep need to fulfill that self-interest. And she does talk a lot about that. Yeah. She really does. But in my view, and we'll talk more about this, I don't think man really has his own best interest at heart because he's inevitably going to use it for self-interest and greed. Like I wrote, for example, plastic was supposed to be a, a like, it was a miracle. When we developed plastic, mm -hmm. it, it is a medical miracle, but we've used it and we've taken it. And now we have like ruined every environment with it. Microplastics are a huge problem. Mm -hmm. um, insulin was a free gift to the guy who made it, but a company took it, changed it slightly and patented it. Patented it, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one of the ones that my favorite one, because you know how much I love the ocean, is you have these exceptionally high-tech technologies for fishing and stuff like that. But what happened was is people could now like target specific schools of fish, go in and trawl the area, which is what they did in New England, basically. Right. The cod's gone. It's been gone for two decades or more. Mm -hmm. um, the nurseries still haven't recovered from it. So she's kind of missing this idea, like... Rand and a lot of people have this idea that man is machine. You put in an input, you're going to get a logical output. But, right. you know, when I was doing my degree, I remember walking into my personality class and the professor going like, we can't actually measure this. This class is kind of useless. <laughs> um, so I was just like, wait a second, I just paid how much for this class? But man is an emotional creature, which is yeah. good and bad. But when you set up a system like what we just discussed, it's inevitably going to go bad. Yeah. Well, and I think what you were saying about like how, you know, there's this belief that Rand has and a lot of other people share where man ultimately has their own best self-interest yeah. at heart. And I think, I mean, we could spend an entire episode on that concept right Absolutely. there because I, I don't know. I mean, there, that's a whole philosophy debate right. that I don't know if I'm even qualified to have. <laughs> I'm not either. I'll just throw that out there. Um, <laughs> I think what I need to clarify is, is like when man is... You know, there is that experiment in psychology. It's the marshmallow experiment. Do you, did you ever hear about that? No. Where they put toddlers in a room and they put like a marshmallow in front of the toddler and said, if you can wait like two minutes, you can have two marshmallows. And, you know, they did that progressively with more marshmallows. And some kids didn't even, there was no future thinking at all. They just took the marshmallow and ran. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like, you know, with our base urge instincts we're not exceptionally good at future thinking as a species as a whole mm -hmm. so we take the marshmallow now yeah and i think that's kind of where you know some of these technol or technologies break apart so i have two responses to that that are just they're more just they're, neither of them are arguments yeah they're, they're more just where am i i went to two places yes. when you were Share when you sent thoughts. me these notes yeah one um because i want to state where both of these are from so you can mm -hmm. help me remember them because yeah. you know how I tangent. So <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> yeah. One's something that Jordan Peterson said. Bear with me. Okay. And then another thing is was is a I'll start with this other thing. Um, you know, I, I need only bring up like the pharmaceutical industry. I mean you mentioned insulin. Yeah. There's there's another within the patent thing, I mean there's something called uh, I think it's within the law itself, or I forget the exact terminology of what you would call this or if it's just a clause in there or whatever, but it's called pay for delay. Some Robert Reich talks about in one of his lectures, and it's it's something that uh, you can do. Like let's say, for example, like you know you have your Walgreens brand mm -hmm. Tylenol. Yeah. It's just a set of Yeah. 
before that came out, and it was just Tylenol because there was the patent on Tylenol, right. they had the legal ability to pay all of these other companies like Walgreens and CVS and Rite Aid and whoever to wait to release these cheaper identical versions hmm. for like an extended period of time, like a t another year or two or five years or something like that, so that they could keep the exclusivity on there for a little bit more time. They don't legally have to right. do this, but they get paid a lot of money to, to hold off. Yes. So that one's called pay for delay. That's interesting. I've never heard of that. But Look that up. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, but that's legal. Totally legal to do. I'm going to say this um, too. Like, I don't like Joe Rogan, but I do listen to his podcast because he has phenomenal guests on there. And so he every does. time I, th I look up discussions are pretty great. And I'm like, yeah. Jamie, look that up. I'm looking up pay for delay. I'm Jamie today. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's right there. Pay for delay. Pay for delay. Agreements are deals struck between brand pharmaceuticals and competitor generic or biosimilar companies that let them avoid the costly process of patent litigation by settling out of court. There you go. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, totally legal to do, just shady. You know, like, ugh, I, we could have another conversation about, like, <laughs> I mean, just because it's legal doesn't necessarily mean that it's the morally, morally the high road, you know. How dare you bring morals and ethics up. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> can't talk about that here. No, never. Oh. <laughs> so the other example with Jordan Peterson is he... He said he mentions he tells a, a story. It's not one of his rules, but mm -hmm. like, and I forget even what chapter it's in. But like, he talks about how humans at some point in history, I love his verbiage is why mm -hmm. I'm using his example, figured out how to gamble with fate. Yes, is the way that he puts it. And essentially, what that was, we are gambling with fate through sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Not self-sacrifice so mm -hmm. much, but sacrifice like. You're going to sacrifice going to hang out with your friends to do homework one night is a really easy example. Right. Like you're sacrificing social time for progressing your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So like that's a good gamble. Yeah. Really good gamble. Pretty easy payoff. Yeah. Like, really guaranteed payoff. So what you were saying earlier about like mankind having their own self-interest in mind I don't know if I completely, I think that those who have figured that out mm -hmm. have figured out how to do this whole gambling gambling with fate thing. If I invest in myself now, mm -hmm. I'll get this payoff later. Exactly. But yeah. that's a very mature It is absolutely a to, learned skill. And yeah. it's, you know, it kind of echoes that indigenous idea of the seventh generation. Yeah. And that, that uh, the quote, I think Plato, I, I included in here where um, wise men... A society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. It's a Greek proverb. Um, so not Plato, but Greek proverb. It's the mm. same idea. It's that idea of growing and knowing yourself enough to understand the consequences of your actions. And I know we're going to talk about this more. Instead of just immediately fulfilling those base urge emotions of like immediate gratification. Um, and I think that the idea of immediate gratification is the heart of where we're at in environmentalism now as a, as a society, mm. um, which we'll talk Immediate about. gratification? Yeah. I think so. I, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk more about yeah, that. Little, little I'm pause. pretty sure that's actually like a prompt in here that I actually get into. I think that, so. That idea. Um, but yeah, so. So let's, let, yeah. yeah, let's move so on to the next point to, with this. You're because... going to edit out my giant sigh. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had our moment with Ayn Rand. Yes. Thanks, Rand. We, we, so I guess, 
let's wrap that up in case yeah. it wasn't clear what our point was. Like yeah. the problem what we're essentially having with Ayn Rand's point of what she's saying is the problem isn't so much a political one. Mm-hmm. It, it It's not necessarily this like only it's like only human beings are at fault. Right. Like she's saying it's it's just because we don't have the technology to right. overcome the situation. Right. And I think that's partially true. It and is I, partially true. It is partially true. We need better technology. Mm-hmm. But there's a huge personal responsibility that's being just sort of glossed over exactly yeah yeah 100 yeah okay we're on the same page so (laughs) so the next critique some folks say like environmental issues occur as a this is an interesting one like a direct result of poor private property enforcement Mm -hmm. or identification there's some stuff i agree with here i'm just going to keep going and i can kind of get my thoughts out so a core point to this argument is that clear ownership of an area like has, you know, has direct connection to the health of the land. I think of the tribal lands our people took away from native people and many examples, you know, like there's tons of this deep connection between human and like the land, animals, water. But my distinction of who owns the land is I think the problematic part for many environmentalists who are also capitalists. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just clarify before I even share other thoughts too. I would also consider myself a capitalist. Mm -hmm. I would also consider myself lots of other things. Yeah. Though. And this drives people crazy. I know. So that's what I'm talking (laughs) about. Yeah, that's that's when I say that this is problematic, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is is that I tend to be more open to adopting several things as opposed to just one thing. And Mm -hmm. it drives a lot of folks nuts because those folks who really prefer to just have like one system and really that be the definition. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be an easy time for you because yeah. I'm going to be sitting here. Well, how come we don't do this? And how can we do that? Well, they do this. And how can yeah. we do that? Can we adopt it? I don't. And that's why names to systems really bother me. Mm-hmm. Socialism, capitalism, yeah. da, 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 da. It scares people. Yeah. And it, it creates a lot of false premises based on our own biases. Yep. So I, I, I just want to mention that before I even share my other thoughts. Yeah, because, no, I think that's a great thing to clarify. Yeah, so I will critique capitalism a lot throughout the show. but it's, I will critique it's not... everything because I like to. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess that's why I'm clarifying. For yeah. those of you who are listening who are like would define yourselves as capitalists and would defend it and everything, mm-hmm. I want you to know that I will sit there and talk to you plenty about mm-hmm. where capitalism has done really wonderful things and where we have opportunity to even do even better things i love those conversations yeah just like we were saying earlier though you it's okay to critique a system that you enjoy using like that's if you see opportunity in that system why wouldn't you critique it i swear nobody can take constructive criticism even (laughs) even social institutions can't even take constructive criticism these days yeah i'm reminded of flight of the concords uh quote where he's like (laughs) You know, I would talk to you, but you're always just so sensitive. How could you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what it... No, I totally get that. Um. So, that said, my point is this. I understand... I understand the argument for maintaining the health of the land that you live on. You know, with private property and everything. But what's also clear to me is that modern capitalism seems to be a system which assumes an owner over the property, right? In this case, this land that we're owning and the animals on said land so we're, we're just assuming that we own this area right under this premise of modern day capitalism and that's the main problem i have and so ancient knowledge from 
native ancestors of this land taught a different lesson. We don't own the land. Nobody owns anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's there's a relationship-based system which is focused on reverence and reciprocity, which is completely different from this ownership exploitation-based system at its very root. So, mm -hmm. so this is a, a, I mean, how do we approach this distinction within environmentalism? Okay, I'm going to also clarify because I think I, I talk about it in some of my other points. I am also could be considered a capitalist in some respects. I'm a business owner. I understand. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I understand this idea of like basic economics. I get it. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. But again, I have a lot of critiques on it too. A lot. And we'll talk about that later. But I feel like before I delve into this, I really needed to just yeah. kind of throw it I think it's good there. to have the clarification yeah. up to the get-go so yeah. people don't think that we're people that we're not. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I said, I, I, I could wear many hats. I have a lot of yes. a lot of, uh, ideas. We're, we like just this. like thinking about stuff, yeah. guys. Just just don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, just, just listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, and here was my response. I'm pretty much just going to read it word for word because I just... I'm going to. Go for it. Uh, so setting aside the ancient idea and distinction of ownership versus stewardship, I wanted to take a look at the idea of land ownership and its role in today's modern society, because we have to start there. Um, so land and by extension, the environment and everything within that land is now a commodity in our culture. A responsible capitalist or a business owner or whatever, and this is, this is, this is where I get really sticky, responsible, personal responsibility. That idea of this is your commodity, whatever, hmm. A responsible capitalist will look at the commodity's long-term viability and make sure it can be sustaining and profitable for as long as physically possible. Yes. Because even from an economic standpoint, why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. There's, yeah. uh, there's a whole bunch of other things you can go into, but we, I won't. Um, <laughs> however, the idea of a responsible capitalist goes against the nature of modern man, which is ruled by greed and profit. We no longer see the individual capitalists, only corporate oligarchies, which exemplify the absolute worst of humankind's traits without the stopgap of human emotion and connection. Rampant greed, exploitation, violence, and the consumption without a human face. Mm -hmm. So you have this entity that we don't even recognize anymore. Very rarely. Yeah. I mean, we have exceptions like yeah. Amazon. Right. We, we equate to like... Bezos. Well, Bezos. We, we as humans need to have a face to something like that. We do. So, so we have a few, but not yeah. many. Yeah. Yeah. So in, so without a face, it's harder to pin responsibility on things. But we hmm. do that. We, we really do. Um, and I do it because I don't necessarily like Bezos. I, I think that he's... He is what I would consider the most irresponsible capitalist on the planet. Probably the most successful, but again, really successful, yeah. yeah. With with great power comes great responsibility. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, with you, there's like no responsibility. So I'm very much in line with the very ancient idea of stewardship. I I, I have always thought that yeah. um, the idea that man can own the environment without ruining it is funny to me. I've always found that funny. I think a lot of people think environmentalism means we can't touch nature at all, and I think this is where it really clashes with capitalism. Um, it's preservationism over conservationism, and that's really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And we, I think early on, more people would understand environmentalism if they understood that distinction. Indigenous people were reverent devotees of conservationism because they had no illusions that to survive, they had to consume things. But they saw themselves within that relationship with the environment. They understood that to survive, the environment had to survive and vice versa. So this ancient indigenous idea of take no more than you need and sharing is out of direct respect of like you're taking from the environment the environment takes from you you give to the environment the environment gives to you it's right. that reciprocity yeah today we don't have that 
we don't see that we have responsibility to ourselves in the cycle. Um, and I think that's where we as environmentalists need to be willing to promote the ideas of responsible land management, such as controlled burns, responsible logging, responsible water rights, and responsible land development. Right. We cannot deny that for social equality and social justice to exist as well, that third world countries with these people are also entitled to their land and resources. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I and, love that point. Yeah. yeah. The, and the reason why I felt like I needed to mention that is because we as a first world country who has all these creature comforts have a really easy time pointing fingers at developing third world like countries like Africa. Saying like, no, you can't use your resources to have energy. You can't do that because mm-hmm. we need to preserve the environment. Mm-hmm. That helps no one. And I think that that really needs to be an expounding point for environmentalists to say, no, we have to understand that we have to consume. You, you can't have preservationism. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So with that, uh, the focus needs to shift from the linear thinking to a circular closed-loop thinking. We live on a planet where there's limited resources, and we live in a closed-loop system, and the only way to survive is to recognize our place in the loop, our neighbor's place in the loop, and the responsibility we have to each other and to the environment. Mm. So... Mm. I'm over here with my hands in the air. <laughs> Preach! Preach! <laughs> um, that's my idea. You can have capitalism with a responsible relation-based system with your quote-unquote commodity. Absolutely. And you have to. But I think we have shifted that idea of like commodity for commodity's sake and exploit and make as much as you possibly can because it removes that idea of the seventh generation from our culture. It's a, it's a cultural stumbling block for Western society, hmm. a big one. I want to go to what to your point of preservationism over conservationism. Yeah. Where where I went with that when I was reading this was uh, Yvonne Chenard from Patagonia. Oh, I love Yvonne. Yvonne Chenard is just I did a I think Zen that was Buddhist, my, yeah. you know. Well, I did my entire project on Patagonia. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and um, he, I, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it, it's something that he was talking about one time on a video that I saw. Some random. Mm-hmm. Thing and he, he he's always so gruff when he talks he and I just love it because he's talking about giving a shit but he's yeah. at the same time trying to snap you out of uh, some of the idealism that I would call it'd be an interesting thing to a conversation to have around toxic idealism yeah so what I would call toxic so he kind of snaps you out of like yeah. what is impossible right by saying things like just to bring back to reality Mm -hmm. like he says hey you know yeah we we try and make sustainable decisions and everything like that but there's really no such thing as sustainability yeah he's under no illusions that he runs patagonia what patagonia does right he's like guys (laughs) we use a capitalist structure we 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 use we use we consume like we we are not what what i would call sustainable was his message Mm -hmm. we use we consume yeah, we do other stuff, and yeah, we give back, and we are we practice reciprocity the best we can. Mm-hmm. But guys, we consume, which is also why I want to talk more at some point in the future mm-hmm. about like true zero waste. Is that yeah. really a good thing? Is that really possible? That would, I, that be, would be an topic. interesting talk. Yeah, yeah. And that was just from someone mentioning that to me mm-hmm. in passing one day. Going, I'm not sure if that's the solution because if we're not putting things back into the system, mm-hmm. then where's the reciprocity? That would be such a good episode. Right. Because if all you're doing... Write it on the right board. Yeah. Oh, Don't yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> the mental whiteboard. So, so I'm just, I just wanted to pause on, yeah. on that idea of the preservationism over the conservationism aspect. Because, like, we can't get fully away from the consuming. Yeah. We can't get fully away from the using. I think the question isn't... Nece- yes, it's like, how do we use less? Mm-hmm. 
that's certainly a thing. I love the conversation of minimalism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're both minimalists. Mm-hmm. I, I get that and everything. I think that it we just owe it to ourselves to say yes, and yes. there's also giving back. There's yes. also redistribution. There's Absolutely. also that. Um, and I think that that's a big... So that's what that's what I went to when you were mentioning preservationism yeah. or conservation. And I think most people tend to equate environmentalism with preservationism because the only type of envi- environmentalists you see on the news are the, the really extreme preservation um, environmentalists, which, mm. you know, there are some plays for preservation. Obviously, don't cut down ancient cedarwood groves. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. That's awful because, you know, I know you're a big fan of Stamets. We have found a ton of medicine in these ancient growth forests that can only come from there. You don't cut that right. kind of stuff down. Yeah. But with that said, you can't not consume. Yeah. So the question becomes how to do so yeah. responsibly. And I really, it, and it goes back to the nature of man. It comes right. down to that idea of you have to get to a point in your own personal development where you realize, hey, you're part of a system. You're not the main character. Right. Sorry to break your illusions, but you have a responsibility that if you're going to take something, you have a responsibility to give back twofold. Absolutely. You know, and in we're talking about reciprocity. We haven't even mentioned braiding sweetgrass. But I love that book. Yeah, oh I mean, gosh. I was I've been mentioning it a lot this season, and it's been really wonderful using her idea of the specific idea of reciprocity mm-hmm. with you know how she tells a lot of stories about how a lot of folks in native communities just as a cultural practice Mm -hmm. physically out loud Mm -hmm. speak audibly to plants and and things like that greet them for the day and things and and, and because they are beings we might not understand them Mm -hmm. in the same way that we understand how human beings and animals work in terms of like having a soul and Mm -hmm. dreams and hopes and stuff right but the thing is is this is it is a form of life Mm -hmm. And that is enough to their yeah. communities in many different ways. And so the, she tells these stories about like, you know, asking permission before we yeah. harvest. And then yes. when we do harvest, what are we giving back and yeah. that kind of thing. And it's and just only a, taking as much as you need. Yes. And yes. I, so that's what the story that you're talking about is probably my favorite story out of the entire book. Same. I, it brings tears to my eyes every time I read it because I love the idea of, you know, because she talks about how in most indigenous cultures, they don't have a word really for just like a plant. It's the plant people. It's the plant tribe. It is the tree oh, tribe. Yeah. And I love that because changing your your verbiage basically mm-hmm. will change your perspective. I mean... That's such a good point. They're, spoiler, they're if you haven't seen Arrival, it's the same concept. <laughs> um Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> anyway, true. That's a good point. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, uh, it's so, it's so good. good. But it's the idea of using language to change your perspective. And I, every time I read that chapter, because I, re- I listen to the book, I read the book, I always think about the mushroom gathering that goes on up here. And the people get super, huckleberries even. Like, I'm yeah. going to just strip the bushes and, like, grab gallons and gallons and gallons, and then they go to waste. Yep. Like, that is not the type of reciprocity that's that's the disease that we're that we're critiquing right now that idea of taking and taking and taking and and i think it's the next prompt where we talk about where does this idea of taking come from yeah so i think that's a good segue actually it is a good segue actually
Well, you already mentioned it. Circular closed loop thinking. Uh, we need to shift away from the linear mm -hmm. into this closed loop. So let's, yeah, let's use this energy here. And yeah. this, this next point, actually, when I was doing research, mm -hmm. I was not shocked, but mm -hmm. just kind of, I'll let you guys decide. This is yeah. from a, this is a, a, another argument against environmentalism. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I actually read from a high school debate teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I won't say from which school or anything like that. It wasn't local. It was just, a, I was just researching mm -hmm. and, and found a really, really, uh, really fascinating intellectual website yeah. from a debate teacher. Love it. Mm -hmm. And this and is what I read. Fantastic <laughs> point. So yeah. go for it, Mike. You guys make your own judgments and we're going to go from here. This is, I think, where I would, I would set probably the largest warning. <laughs> yes. This is going to make a lot of people really mad. Yeah, we're going to get pokey in ways that you're not expecting. So if you're from North Idaho, I'm not sorry. Yeah. Think about your thoughts. <laughs> This is, I, I'm just going to say, this is one of my favorite soapboxes to get on. We're just saying this in case we see you around town. Yeah. After this comes out. Yeah. I don't want anything like thrown in my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. North Idaho can be a very angry place sometimes. I love everyone here. But I might every... go back to wearing a mask again. <laughs> just, anyway, very big warning. Yeah. Trigger warning. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll... <laughs> Go so, for it, my dude. let's start with our high school debate teacher's yes. point. So, the quote is, Nature should be seen primarily for its utility, its usefulness for the majority of humans. Failure to do so will harm human interests. End quote. Okay. All right. Cool for it. All right, let's soak in that for just a second. Mm -hmm. So, since we're critiquing, I'm... I'm Mostly, I'll just be honest with you guys. I think I don't think it's a surprise where I stand in a lot of different things. I'm mostly being fair by including this one here. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a viewpoint which also supports a highly individualistic society, and I don't think I'm surprising anyone when I say that I completely disagree with that yeah, system. Shocker! Shocked Pikachu face right here. Guys. <laughs> I talk about community constantly. <laughs> Individual individualism and community building don't exactly go together. There's a lot of problems that you run into there, I believe anyway. Mm -hmm. I believe that individualism is actually killing us as spiritual and emotional and communal and social beings. Can I stop you there and ask you a question just to clarify? Yes. When you think of individualism, what's your definition of individualism? Just... Oh, yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's define what I'm saying when I say individualism. My definition in this context, in this context of framing within our like local societies and stuff, individualism for me would say my needs yes my needs above all others mm -hmm. and 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 i want to pause with that point mm -hmm. because there is a certain extent of you do need to be concerned about yourself yes. you do need to be focused on yourself <laughs> yeah we've talked a lot mm -hmm. about self-work and inner work mm -hmm. and the focus of that grief work it mm -hmm. takes intentional self-work yes okay we won't get into all the mm -hmm. um distinctions between mm -hmm. these things but i just want to point out Yes, you do need to focus on yourself to an extent, but individualism to me takes it to the point where it's I mind mine and mm -hmm. you mind yours, mm -hmm. end of conversation. Yeah. My life and my decisions under this belief only affect me and mm -hmm. my life and, and because of my decisions, you know, it doesn't affect you at all. Right. And your decisions, I don't give a shit about your decisions mm -hmm. either. And, you know, you, I'm over here, you're over there. Mm -hmm. The problem I have with, and that's, that's, I think, how I, it's a broad definition. So it's like complete separation of the other. Yes. Okay. 
Yes, that's a great way to put that. And I think that the reason I'm defining it that way in this context mm -hmm. is because it creates the problem, I think, where that arises. It becomes this me versus the other yeah. in every single context that you find yourself in. It's yes. always you versus something else external. Okay. Yes, I It like doesn't that. leave room for community to exist, in my opinion. I agree. That's a great way. Okay. Okay. Parameters defined. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. So yeah. nobody's confused. So, so those are the problems I have with the whole individualism. And, and again, I think it assumes this ownership over land that I fundamentally don't agree that we have. Mm -hmm. It's a huge dividing point for a lot of religions as well, namely modern Western Christianity, which I know has all kinds of different areas and things. And there's all kinds of different Christians that might be listening. They're going to be like, well, that's not me. Well, that's not me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not me. I understand. Just we're, understand that it's complicated and you're all it's confusing. And we're, and we're dealing with like the, the stereotypes here. <laughs> stereotypes, exactly. So you did it to yourselves. I didn't do it. <laughs> so it's it it just assumes, generally speaking, in, in modern Western Christianity, for the most part, a divinely gifted dominion over the earth mm -hmm. that we sort of have an authority over. And by like your idea from your interpretation is like we have dominion, so we can go in and go use inv uh, the environment for utility and our selfish interests. Right, right. Just wanted to, another clarification there. Yeah. Okay. So I just think this is all sorts of flawed. Yeah. I, yeah. So, uh, what I want to hear, and I know you probably do too, but I just want to hear what your thoughts actually are. I know you got a lot of notes. I think so... this was my longest note one. Yeah. By far. It was by far my longest notes. Um, okay, do you, do so you want to just read? Or I'm going to read it because a lot of this was like, I this was my, uh, I guess, quote unquote, research. My fingers are up, guys. Uh, researched one. This is um, good. I love where this goes. So I'm just going to let you I, have it. Yeah. So I want to I throw in some disclaimers there. I was raised in a, in a Christian household. I still have a lot of Christian principles. But here's the thing. I am a humongous critic of modern Western Christianity. I think it is so far off bounds. I get so angry and I just like, I get fired up for questions like this because mm -hmm. I feel like I have a responsibility to be like, what are you guys doing? Um, I would say my belief system has changed. I will admit I have not been to church in, I don't even know how long. I, I have a really hard time because of what I'm going to talk about now. Hmm. Disclaimer over, any questions? Okay. <laughs> Um, so, okay, in my opinion, the modern Western Christian belief over dominion of the earth is one, if not one of the most misinterpreted commandments. So yes. in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, let's refresh what God had to say. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and over the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Yes, quote. I remember that one quite uh, well. Yes, I was like, <laughs> and this is the one that I think Western society, This again, it's the permission slip to do whatever the heck you want to. Mm -hmm. The problem with the Old Testament is unless you are actually willing to dive deep into the original Hebrew, mm -hmm. you lose everything. It's true. Um, so the original Hebrew word for yeah, tell dominion us. is actually radah. And radah, yes, has two meanings. One is like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to like, but essentially rape the whatever it's yeah. dominion it's violent it's what it's the, ultimate yeah, exploitation ultimate exploitation the only time radar is used in that context and again context people 
context, <laughs> especially with ancient documents, mm-hmm. is when God is condemning the shepherds of Israel in Ezekiel 34 for using the sheep for their own selfish interests. Mm-hmm. So God's going like, no, you are there to caretake the sheep. You are not to be doing that. Right. So in the context... Like that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, literally not what I meant. Yeah. So um, Radah used in Genesis 1, through 28 means ruling or managing the rest of creation with love and for its sake. The sake of creation rather than our own purposes, convenience, or pleasure. Hmm. Most Christians, I would say... Mm-hmm. Don't see it that way. It's dominion. When we look at English, and this is where translating gets really, really sticky, especially with English, um, you have to, when there's commandment type words, make sure you're going back to the source material. Yeah. Anyway, barring the misrepresentation of the word Rada, this is where I get really angry. Not really angry, just really just worked up. Yeah. I find it extremely bizarre that a loving God who made man explicitly in his image which God is love. Right. Everyone go back to Corinthians, review what God is in the Christian religion. Why on earth would a God who made man explicitly in his image, explicitly command his creation to behave in a way that is opposite to his nature, yes. namely exploiting, consuming, and destroying for selfish gain? Yes. <laughs> to me, that's where I'm just like, what on earth? Yes, so what like, saying, man. Uh, So the Christian man, woman, was made from the earth. We were made from soil, imbued with the likeness of God. So part of us comes from the soil. And that's the right. thing that people seem to miss is, and the Bible says it, you know, you were made from dust, you return to the dust. Right. Which means that you're going to have needs that come from the earth. Why on earth would you exploit that in a way that's like damaging? So... When we were placed here in Genesis, it was specifically, this was before the fall, we were specifically placed in the garden to work it and care for it as an act of love and worship to the creator, which is a belief that I feel almost every indigenous religion shares. Like there is that idea that man was always the caretaker as an act of worship, as an act of love. Isn't it interesting that commonality? Yes. When when I was looking at these notes, I I had paused at this one, at that point there, because I... Well, and I think... There's a lot of common ground there. There's a lot of common ground, even when we start, like, in my next point, you know, the the teachings of Christ as well, um, as far as, like... I'll get into it. Yeah. Let me crack my knuckles. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Please continue. So, and then you have this... uh, You had mentioned, like, this idea of the hyper-individual is damaging spiritually to the community. Yes. And I agree with you 100%. This idea of the hyper-individual, the the other, I should Mm -hmm. say. Yeah, I didn't really get super into that mm-hmm. the spiritual damaging yeah. side of things and again that's why like this that's a whole philosophical conversation that right. i'd love to have at some point but like but yes they, write it on the whiteboard <laughs> yes but i think individualism yes is yeah. absolutely spiritually damaging um i i would agree with that and i would agree with it and i'm going to talk about like since i tend to be is i try to be as objective as possible i'm going to talk about it from a religious point of view also a science point of view okay um because i don't think that they're mutually exclusive and i hate it when there's that divide anyway another podcast <laughs> um so the early christian church as you know and again guys we are sticking with the early christian church because this is a western society and it was predominantly you know built on these western christian principles right the early christian church was exceptionally communal very like there was no um like you're not meeting in a big building to be taught by some guy at the front of the room people were meeting in small groups and just reading and they took care of one another 
Yeah. Uh, that was the beginnings of the church. And the, the thing that just drives me absolutely mad in, you know, even modern day Christianity is this idea of the hyper individual. It's so funny to me because it's <laughs> the exact opposite of what Christ called for. You know, the concept of dying to self or sacrificing the self are like some of the most repeated themes in the New Testament. And somehow the modern church has like perverted this idea. I will use that word. And it creates a system that allows and encourages I'm going to say it, toxic ideas like mm -hmm. prosperity gospel and like that the idea that wealth is a sign of God's favor, which I literally put in brackets. That's a topic for a different time. Yeah, you did. And um. I, that is a topic. <laughs> that reminds me of, if you guys haven't heard of the Liturgists podcast, I would highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite podcasts of all time. I don't think I've actually heard Period. That. Yeah. Um, this subject matter here mm -hmm. is their jam. Oh, I would love it. Yeah. There, it's, it's picking apart a lot of the stuff that we have essentially structured as our foundation to our entire belief system mm -hmm. that we the whole lens that we look at entire mm -hmm. life through yeah and for many people it's christianity and so mm -hmm. especially in the west mm -hmm. and so it's just breaking that apart and saying what does this mean can we can we readdress some of these conversations of yeah. course we can you know do we have to stay within a box and not be allowed to talk about stuff to like it, it's weird that you it's wouldn't be weird. able to but so then again yeah. you're looking at like religion is like a form of control which we can talk about how the yeah. romans did that or like right. how any other ruling body has used any religion even yeah. buddhism for you know yeah. societal control it's crazy so prosperity gospel that yeah that that, that is literally a whole topic for a different time it, it so. really is so one of my firm beliefs, and this is this is where I get really, really unpopular. If Jesus were here today, I think I I have a feeling I'm gonna agree with you. He would lose his mind. And I'm not trying to put myself <laughs> in Jesus' shoes, but this is this is the point that I made. If Jesus here were here today and saw that the first world enjoys luxury because a 10-year-old child is forced to work in a dark room for 18 hours a day Tell for me. mere pennies, mm -hmm. he would do more than just flip tables. Oh my god. Yes. Because there was like, this is the one where people like, he literally said, those who hurt my children might as well put a millstone around their neck and cast themselves into the sea. That was wildly paraphrased. But Jesus was very specific about taking care of the infirm, the widow, the child, the elderly. He did not stutter. They're yeah. not to be exploited. They're to be cared for as an act of self-sacrifice and worship. And that goes back to that early tenet of these early religions, that idea of self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice as being the highest form of human expression, or one mm -hmm. of the highest forms of human expression. And you actually see that not in just Christianity, but in like ancient Stoicism, which I right. I really resonate with the Stoics. With that said, he, Jesus would be a wildly unpopular character if he showed up today and started spouting off stuff. Absolutely agree. I think because I think that the, the point of Jesus with all of this and and if you're still listening, you're going like, are we still talking about environmentalism? Yes. Yes. Okay. Like the, there are some uh, really interesting books that I'll have to leave at the end here that are, mm -hmm. are, I'm reading that sort of try to combine Christianity mm -hmm. and environmentalism in fascinating ways. But I agree with the whole unpopular character point mm -hmm. because <laughs> he was highly unpopular back then. If you look at the economic context and the political context at the time here's a dude riding in on a donkey going hey you know turns out we don't need any of this structure guys like all this socio-political stuff this economic stuff like it's kind of meant to oppress us and we really it, like honestly we're enough and yeah. we kind of uh guess what um loves the answer and yeah. uh, we're kind of 
The Romans were like, oh, no, you don't. 2,000 years have passed by, and we're still trying to figure out what the heck the guy was talking about. Yeah, and that's and just... So how we're wrapping this up yeah. as far as like how this is related to the point earlier, and if you're still wondering what the hell yeah. the point was in the first place, this came from a high school debate teacher's point saying, nature should be used, seen primarily for its utility. It's useful for the majority of humans. Failure to do so will harm human interests. And if you are looking at the world through a classical Western lens with these kinds of doctrines that you've been raised in that are misinterpreted, this is how you're going to interact with your environment. You know, and everyone's got their own lens. I understand that. All I wanted to do by bringing up, because again, our lens is predominantly Western Christianity. That's fine. If you are a Christian, that's fine. I hold on to a ton of Christian principles, a ton of them. And mm -hmm. I, I will shout it from the rooftops if people want me to. I'm, I'm literally doing that on a podcast. But the problem <laughs> is, is if you are going, you have a responsibility to continually question not only your beliefs, but the lenses in which you're in interacting with the world. And if the way you are interacting with the world is harmful, then you need to go see an optometrist and get your lenses checked. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like the idea of like, you know, if you want to just distill Christianity down, Christ was like, love each other as I love you, basically. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. It's love your neighbor, love thy neighbor, golden rule, done. Distilled, done. Loving thy neighbor is not exploiting them for resources. Loving thy neighbor is not exploiting them for capital. It's not doing any of that. Um, so anyway. I reminded the old uh, Toby Mac song, Love is a Verb. Yes. Love is a verb. Is a verb. <laughs> it is a verb. And I think that's why, like, that was the entire point of Jesus' message. Yeah, so this, I mean, I know this is a lot. We've gone to a lot of different places already. I'm literally going to go into the evolution now and that's really going to rattle a lot of more people because they're going to be like, wait a second, how can you think in terms of evolution if you just talked about Jesus? So here I am to make a lot of people real mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very popular character here. Well, the, the well, what was your point about the evolution? Um, okay, so for the people who do not consider themselves like religious at all, and if your lens that you view the world from this here yeah it's yeah it's, it's green like through the green the green text if your lens is the <laughs> green text and you reject religion you re reject all of that but you view your life through a scientific lens it does not change how you should interact with the environment in fact it mm. should like you should be even more of an environmentalist and i'll explain why regardless of your opinion the human body is still an animal we're still animals. We the consciousness may be divine. The consciousness may be what you know was made in God's images. But our, physically, yeah. But our mammalian bodies still need exercise, air, shelter, water, food, just like any other species out mm -hmm. there. And if you look at us as animals, our closest relatives, the ape, is a highly communal creature. Yes, they cannot exist on their own without you know. Well, they, they could, but as you know, when we read Jane Goodall's thing, nothing good comes of it. Mm -hmm. Class warfare comes from it. Monkeys are very violent guys. Yeah, there were fascinating stories yeah. about the class warfare between the monkey tribes. So Crazy. if you're looking like hyper-individualism is not evolutionarily beneficial for herds, herd species like us. We do it because it's advantageous for our own survival. And thus, because it is advantageous for our own survival, we've developed extremely complicated societies and communal structures because it was advantageous. With that said, us being animals, everything that we do in our physical body comes directly from the earth. Mm -hmm. Food, water, shelter, as I just said. To deny that is to basically commit suicide. You can't, you can't put your consciousness in a jar yet. 
Yes. Um, so we have a responsibility as animals on this planet to not shit where we eat. You can bleep that out if you want to. Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I want people to hear you saying the word shit. Oh, I've said a lot worse. <laughs> um, so basically, you can't commoditize the bare minimum for survival. Yes. We can go into like the talks of Nestle trying to commoditize water. Like, that, to me, is the most <laughs> evil thing you can possibly think of. And then make water more expensive than Coca-Cola in third world developing countries? Mm. We're animals. We can't live off of Coca-Cola. We have a responsibility to our species to continually live in harmony with our environment. Because if we don't, we go extinct. And that's what happens to animals when their environment stops being viable for them. They go extinct. So you can be religious, or you can look at it from a science, you know, evolutionary perspective, where literally we have come from this planet, we have a responsibility to it. I don't care how you view it, but I fail to see really any sustainable long-term lens that says hyper-individualism will allow for environmentalism to somehow work. Yeah, I don't, End rant, I don't get that. Slash R. Slash, yeah, slash R. Slash R. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of hand movements there. I love it. I mean, the, the where are we? Where so? Where are we now? I guess. Where are we now? We are at the point where maybe two people are listening now. <laughs> We've scared everyone. We've off. scared everybody away. <laughs> We've made everybody believe that we're heathens, and that's fine. and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. And we're still here. We're still here. And. Now we have more points and we've got more talking points. I think that the rest of where we were going to go is going to have to wait for another conversation. Yeah, that's totally fine. So let's let's we're we're going to go further. We were going to talk a little bit more about the economic side of things. Mm-hmm. I fully believe that's going to take up another hour. Oh, I feel like that's its, its own podcast in of itself. Yeah, we wanted to get into a lot of like because you can't address a lot of this stuff without eventually yeah. getting around to the free market idea. I feel like if and, you had to summarize this episode, it'd be why. Why we have the type of environmentalism we have and where those the bases of thought stem from in the Sparknotes version. Yeah. Why is environmentalism so hard to be palatable to Western society? Mm. And it's hard to be palatable because we did grow up in a hyper-individualistic society where we did reject the cultures that are more communal. And then we are viewing our relationship with the earth through a very Western, humanistic misinterpreted lens of we're here to dominate and by dominate it means commoditize exploit 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 and i think that's the biggest critique i have on environmentalism how can you have something work when the society is literally it's like trying to install mac operating software on a windows computer and where i would carry what you're saying and push it a bit further it where i'm coming from with where a lot of the message from the podcast tends to come tends to end up wrapping mm-hmm. into is is more of the social personal aspect of it Absolutely. it's like we take that exploitation desire that need that consumerism mm-hmm. that we need it's always something else to make us mm-hmm. happy something yeah. else that will give us something that we don't already have right and i think that that's a deep psychological issue that we're not addressing as individuals and as a society of that we believe that there's something outside of ourselves that we don't already have mm-hmm. that is something that we need to become whole but we've already we are already there mm-hmm. and the true challenge we've mentioned this grief work a couple times in the podcast and we're talking about really deep very basic human stuff i really think that these conversations end up well for me anyway is mm-hmm. where where i end up going i think that the communal aspect 
I think that a lot of the reason we're having a lot of hard time getting to the communal aspect mm -hmm. with this stuff and getting away from the individualism, mm -hmm. I think individualism is very... I critiqued it a bunch earlier. Mm -hmm. Individualism can be an act of self-sacrifice if you're willing to work deep into your issues because that act of self-sacrifice by facing your deepest, darkest corners instead of fulfilling that hyper-individual of I'm going to immediately gratify myself hmm. allows you to come to peace with yourself but come to peace with the other. Right. So individualism can be... Well, it can be rather appealing yeah. in that way. Yeah. It's, like, it's also a really useful escape. I mean, we're yeah. both introverted people. I mean, very. it's a very, it's a very easy mm -hmm. thing. Right. preferable thing feelings wise mm -hmm. to be in energy wise to just dip out mm -hmm. and to ghost yes and look if you got to do it do it there's yeah. a time for that but as a practice constant practice as a society mm -hmm. i believe that we're seeing a lot of these rampant division issues mm -hmm. and issues with tribal like toxic tribalism with this i think a lot of this stuff stems from hyper-individualism. Hyper-individualism and not being willing to take constructive criticism. Right. So why we're talking about, the, so where the context of this environmentalism mm -hmm. discussion is really playing into this, as you were explaining. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm agreeing with what you're saying is also mm -hmm. where, it, and it's also saying that like this work, mm -hmm. this, this obligation to ourselves and our communities mm -hmm. is not something, is just, we need to stop skipping over this stuff. And the, the environmentalism movement tends to struggle when it mm -hmm. skips that discussion. Yeah, totally. I think it's working on it. I think it's trying. I think they're finally, the most environmental movement is finally understanding that most environmentalism isn't about like picking up plastic from the ocean. It's about really changing human psychology. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, like I want to wrap it up just with one point is mm -hmm. we were, we, consumerism up until very recently was never really about human desire. It was more about human need. What happened is in the 1920s and then after World War II, when we didn't need anything, how was it going to keep the economy running? So what happened was is a bunch of marketing people went to a guy named Edward Bernays, which was uh, Freud's nephew, and said, who, and he wrote a book called Propaganda. He's the father of propaganda, modern mm. propaganda, and said, how do we appeal our our, our our products to people? And Bernays, having Freud's background of like that, that the idea of a deep inner ego that yeah. needs consistent like nourishment tapping into that now you have created a linear market that will never be satiated ever right it allows for rampant consumerism it always needs more and I'm, so i would say like when we talked about the idea of this individual um the other you have like that's the diseased individual we're not saying individualism is bad what we're saying is hyper individualism where you are so wrapped up in your own world that you do not understand the consequences of going out, I'm gonna say it, on Black Friday to buy a $5 sweater when the history of that $5 sweater was made by a single mother in Taiwan who's been there for 24 hours and is making a dollar a week and can't afford to feed her family and has no healthcare options and is not, you know, has no access to clean water and she doesn't have access to any of these things because she can't be paid a living wage because you want a $5 sweater. Mm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We have to, as individuals, realize that our individualism, like conservationism, has consequences. You, Everything has consequences. How do you mitigate those consequences as an individual? So that's kind of what we're talking about. And I think that's why we both like Jordan Peterson, because he's always bringing that to the forefront. Think about the consequences mm -hmm. of your decisions. Thrift store shop, guys. 
It's cheaper anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, man. Hey, we did it. We did it. Yeah. We stayed on topic, dude. Oh, my God. We did it. I can't believe it. I know. It's amazing. I'm glad we have a recording because I don't believe it. I know. I know. <laughs> we have kept it under an hour and 10 minutes, which is like the first time in the history of forever. Yeah. You guys are bore witness to this discussion. Yes. There's probably going to be another one too, by the way. We've got lots more to talk about. We have a lot of thoughts. If the last hour or so wasn't already an indicator yeah. of that. And again, guys, we know it's a pokey episode. Yes. But the, I, I, again, here's another guy that a lot of people don't like. Jocko Willink, Navy SEAL, who wrote tons of books on leadership. Leadership is more about listening, less about talking. Seek out the people you disagree with and listen to what they have to say. Amen to that. There you go. That's how you destroy the hyper individual. What a ride, right? (laughs) Now, do you have words you want to share with us? Opinions, issues, questions, whatever. I want to hear them all. Go to the website at sustainableculturePodcast.com. Click contact. Get in touch with me. Let's talk. Also, be on the lookout for upcoming events. They are coming soon. Big, big plans. Remember to like and subscribe. Be sure to share if you please. Look out for the next episode coming February 11th. For now, this has been the Sustainable Culture Podcast, folks. I have been Jet. I'll see you next time, guys.